Hi everyone, I'm Bronwyn Beth, and welcome back to The Misfit Musician, the podcast where music and mental health meet. This episode, I talk with Dr. Heidi K. Begay. She's a mentor, educator, and musician, and fantastic at everything that she does. We discuss how to be uniquely you in the music industry, as well as finding balance when you're running your own business. We also go into networking using social media and how to do that in a healthy way that has boundaries, but also helps you connect with other musicians that could potentially lead to friendships or business partnerships. I learned so much from this conversation and I really hope that you all find it helpful too. I think the concepts we talked about can apply to any entrepreneur and not just specifically musicians. So enjoy this interview with Dr. Heidi K. Begay. Today I'm here with Heidi. She's um, the creator of the Flute 360 podcast, and she's also a committee member for the Ultimate Music Business Summit, as well as being a mentor for other musicians and um, creating some classes for podcasters and um, playing flute and piccolo. Um, So I thought we could just start by you kind of introducing yourself, Heidi, if you have anything that you want people to know about you. Oh, thank you so much, Bronwyn. And you basically introduced me so well. (laughs) There's not much more I have to say. I'm originally from Chicago and I live in Fort Worth, Texas. And actually we just moved to Dallas, my husband and I. Nice. Yeah. So I hear kitties in the background for you. Yeah. Do you have cats? (laughs) I'm a cat mom too. Oh, nice. (laughs) And some of them have music names like Gizmo. Uh, Gizmo is the name that we give a particular key on the flute. Okay. So it's really like the high C facilitator, but like the informal word is gizmo and okay. so cats is gizmo. I love and we, that. And we also have maestro. So we have a little music theme going on here. That's adorable. <laughs> yeah. I have Simon and we just got another one and I wanted to name it Garfunkel, but my boyfriend wasn't so into that. <laughs> so oh. it's, it's Sage. <laughs> I think you should have gone with Garfunkel. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, maybe we'll just have to get another one. (laughs) Keep it on the table. Sage is beautiful, though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I'm wondering about your musical journey getting to the point where you've decided to mentor other musicians and what that kind of looked like for you and how you got started with music. Yes. So let me answer the latter question. Okay. I got into music basically because of my mom and my parents. Mm -hmm. My mom was not a professional pianist, but she played piano throughout her entire childhood. And it's because grandma said so. Okay. Um, And she also was an organist through her church growing up. My dad also was a percussionist, again, not professional, but mm-hmm. 1970s, if you can imagine that era. Yeah. And he rode my, he rode motorcycles and played the drums and things like that. 
So music, all of that's to say, music has been an integral part within my childhood. Mm -hmm. And I started off playing piano around the age of five. I was also a ballerina. And then around 11, 12 years old, I had a really bad um, ballet accident where I had done a turn. Yeah, I had done a turn and I actually fractured my L5 vertebra. And because of that, I couldn't go back to ballet. And so I needed another creative outlet. And so flute found me. And from there around age 12 till now, you know, there's no looking back. So that's how music found me. That's how flute found me. And I've just been pursuing the different degrees and um, music within my career ever since. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And what are some of the biggest lessons that you think you've learned along the way? Oh, my goodness. Well, I, I've learned that I'm an educator. I really believe that I've been put here on this earth to mentor and educate Mm -hmm. musicians from beginner, intermediate, advanced levels all throughout those different stages. Um, Just to kind of circle back to one of your original questions. Yeah. And I found that music really serves me well. I love connecting and I love viewing the world through this lens, um, through this art lens and seeing how music really makes life beautiful, you know, and then being a part of that process brings me a lot of joy. And then to second that, to continue that thought, then bringing students into that world and helping them thrive is something that brings me a lot of joy and I love doing it. That's really beautiful. Yeah. And I mean, it seems like even starting with ballet, like the creative outlet has always been like that place for you where you can kind of um, find your voice, which is really neat. Yeah. Connecting with the body and with the breath, you know, things like that. Amazing. Um, What, what degrees do you have? Yes. So I'm originally from Chicago and my collegiate career was quite interesting. I attended four different schools in those four different years. Wow. Okay. (laughs) And that was not planned at all. I basically was following my mentors around. Uh, It's what is how it boiled down to or how it, yeah. And so I went to a school in Illinois, then I went to a school in Texas, then I transferred to the University of Arizona, where I finally got my bachelor's degree. Um, And my degree is a Bachelor of Arts in Music and a minor in French. And then later I went to Northwestern State University in Natchitoches, Louisiana, and received my master's in flute. And then I had a six-year gap between 09 to 2015, where I taught six years in a private studio and I had about 50 to 60 flute students in the area. Yeah. That's a lot. (laughs) Yeah. And it was phenomenal. Like I, I'm still friends with a lot of those young ladies. Now Mm. they're getting their master's degrees and starting families. And it's so amazing to see their growth. And so at around 2014, I realized I love teaching, you know, but not to that extent Mm because you're driving around, you know, with your, like feeling like a chicken with your head cut off. Right. 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 And so I basically was just like, I love teaching, but this is not sustainable. And so 
let me go get the doctorate because that will solve the problem. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get that full-time job and I won't have to drive around, you know, hundreds of miles a week. So you were commuting to each student's home? Basically to the homes and to the schools. Okay. It's a lot of driving. Yeah. A lot of driving. Yeah. I put a lot of miles on my Hyundai Elantra. <laughs> nice. And so 2015, I pursued my DMA and graduated in 2018 from Texas Tech University in Lubbock okay. with my DMA in flute performance. And since then, I basically, you know, just like a lot of doctoral graduates, you know, you start going on that job hunt of trying to find that full-time academia job because mm -hmm. air quote, cause we're not doing video today. That's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. You know, that's the one job or being an orchestral musician. That's what you're supposed to do with the degree. Mm -hmm. And I mean, why else would you get your doctorate if you're not going to be teaching in academia full-time? Right. Right. <laughs> but coming out of it, I learned that those jobs are far and few in between. There may be one or two jobs posted, you know, per year for that full-time academia job. And there are thousands of well-qualified graduates trying to get one of those two jobs. Yeah. And so just like anybody, I'm just one story. Right. And after two years of applying to lots of jobs, adjunct, full-time, everything, I finally did land a full-time job in uh, Shanghai, China. Wow. I was ready to go. I had the work visa and then COVID hit and therefore I could not <laughs> travel. And it was actually a blessing in disguise because life lovingly forced me in this corner of realizing the problem that a lot of musicians are going through right now, where they have degrees, they are extremely talented and there's not enough jobs to go around. Yeah. And so all of that's to say, going into like my career and how it looks now, I do get to mentor uh, musicians, whether through playing or through their career, just through this untraditional path of being a remote business owner versus like teaching and mentoring within like that traditional space of four walls and teaching at the college. So it's interesting to see how, you know, one's career unfolds. You have yeah. plans and you can make plans, but the biggest thing, like your second question, I guess, after saying all of that, make your plans in pencil so you can erase it. Don't engrave it in this, you know, etch it into a stone and then seal it with a permanent marker. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I think it makes the process a lot less painful if those plans don't happen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Erasing it is less painful than trying to, you know look at this stone and be like, but I'm a professor. And when that doesn't happen, it's, it is painful. You're right. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. So on your website, um, your tagline said like guiding musicians holistically to discover their unique voice on and off stage. And I was wondering, I thought that was such an interesting word to use. And I was wondering what holistic means to you in this context. And, and like, what does that look like in the way that you mentor people? Wow. That's a great question. Yeah. So holistically, I really look at the musician from this lens of, you know, we're not just a violinist or we're not just a flutist, but we're a human, <laughs> you know, connecting with our voice. Are we taking care of ourselves mentally, physically, and spiritually? Because if we're not, how can we 
express ourselves through an instrument, right? right? If we're not being taken care of. So holistically like this, not to sound cheesy, but this 360-ness of the person, like of the whole being, mind, body, spirit. And then not only taking care of the human aspect of who we are, but then now our musicianship can really thrive, you know, from that place. What 2021 is asking the 21st century musician to be is also being an astute business person, right? And then looking Mm -hmm. at that role too. So the whole person, the human, the artist, and the musicpreneur. So holistically, that's, that's my answer. I love that. Yeah. And I feel like uh, when I was in undergrad, especially, I feel like I would have benefited a lot from classes about entrepreneurship and none of that was offered. And I feel like that's really rare in music degrees. So what you're offering is incredibly valuable for people as they're trying to like find their footing coming out of a degree. Oh my goodness. Thank you. That means a lot to me. And you're right. There there are some very unique programs out there who do offer, you know, some music entrepreneur classes, some business classes to help their students and, you know, hats off to them. And I, yeah. and I really hope that these programs start sprouting up more and more, but, you know, and it's not academia's fault. It's just our industry has pivoted. It's changed, you know, and what was true for our professors right? We're within the same generation here. Mm -hmm. What was true for our professors isn't true anymore for us. You know, they were trained for those one or two jobs playing in an orchestra or being a professor. And yes, those jobs are still there, but they're far and few in between. Right. And so we really need to, if we don't start changing the curriculum at the universities and at the colleges, I really think we're doing a disservice to our students And so if we can start speaking this message and putting it out and broadcasting it like we are, (laughs) I think things will turn around for the better. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, So when you're mentoring people, is there a common place that you usually like to start? Yes, uh, great question. Can you elaborate just a little bit more? Sure. Um, yeah. So like if you're looking at the whole person, you're looking at the emotional side and, and their business and um, physical, spiritual, are there kind of common themes with everyone that you can, that can serve as a starting place for figuring out what they, like what the best path forward for them is? Because I would feel like a lot of people you might be mentoring might not know what's next. Yes. Very, very good question. So what I'm hearing is, and how I'm interpreting this question is everybody is going to be at a unique spot with, within their path. Mm -hmm. Correct. So you're right. Like somebody, and we're all on the same journey together and you're going to find musicians along, or you're going to find them at different summits. Yeah. Right. So you have to Basically, my answer would boil down to you have to meet the person where they're at. Just like in music, right? If you are, since I'm a flute teacher, if an intermediate student comes to me and says, oh, I want to play, you know, the Do To You Sonatine, 
well, that's a really challenging piece. <laughs> and if they haven't gone through some box sonatas or a little cute French piece by Caplet, or they haven't learned the Chaminade, things like that, then the due to you is going to be really impossible. Same thing with the business, you know, or with um, the whole person, you know, looking at their health or looking at their fitness, looking at how they approach life. If if you're trying to go from like summit one to summit five, you're going to feel really, they're going to feel really overwhelmed and you're not doing a good job, you know, mentoring. Yeah. So I think basically it would boil down to, I try to always, I'm not perfect with this um, because each individual is so unique and their path is so unique. You really have to meet them where they're at, ask lots of questions, be really curious, listen to their needs and their wants, and then design a program and design a curriculum that's going to help them propel to or towards their goals. Hmm. That sounds so helpful. Yeah. Are there common emotional kind of roadblocks for creative artists that you come across? Like for me, I feel like something that I've dealt with a lot is feeling really inadequate or imposter syndrome. Like I didn't have the same education this person had. So clearly I can't compete with them like that kind of feeling. Um, and I'm wondering what sort of things you see as you're mentoring people. Yes. I think you hit on a big one, Bronwyn. Imposter syndrome is a huge challenge, right? Yeah. To, um, to overcome. I think imposter syndrome is definitely something that I see very often. Um, not feeling confident with one's abilities and feeling confident that, Hey, I have a voice. I can put it out there. Um, another huge challenge that I see people, uh, facing is getting their creative works off the ground from like mm. scratch to launch. I okay. think maybe imposter syndrome plays a little bit into that because they have so many wonderful ideas, right? But why aren't they hitting publish? Right. Right. Maybe you know, yeah. that imposter syndrome is sneaking in. Um, another one that I see a lot is building new opportunities for themselves, you know, and this comes from a place of no judgment, just from observation, because I totally empathize where these people are at. Yeah. Because, you know, if all those doors are slamming, right. And you're getting rejection after rejection, after rejection, that takes a toll on your ego, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Am I really good at this? Am I a good teacher? Am I a good player? Um, and then recognizing that those doors and those opportunities aren't for them in that season. And then saying now what, right. And getting really creative with time and space and getting creative with their skill sets to pick up the phone and start making new connections and start networking and start building those opportunities for themselves. So I think just reaching out and not letting that imposter syndrome sink in and think, oh, well, who am I to work with said person? Why would they even want to work with me? Right. Right. So just picking up the phone and just starting to build those opportunities, um, is something that I see a lot too. I love that. Yeah. And what you were saying about everyone being so unique and trying to like find where meet people where they are in their journey. I think that lends itself towards that because it's, if you realize that you're a unique 
human being and that you have a variety of gifts that are going to be different than the musician next to you. Um, I think it makes it easier to let go of this idea of I need this orchestra job or, you know, and, and recognize that the culture is shifting um, and be more okay with that, especially if it fits within like your unique talents, I think. Oh, for sure. You nailed it right on the head. Exactly. And being a podcast host now for almost four years and talking with experts in the field, you know, and food is with big names. What I've mm -hmm. learned is they all have their own struggles. They all have their own pain points. We put these people up on these pedestals and we're like, oh, yeah, <laughs> right. But yeah. they're just like us and they had very unique challenges and they also overcame them in their unique ways and nobody's career looks e exactly the same. Mm -hmm. And when you see that and you see everyone's unique ability and how in their unique skill sets thrive and really blossom for their unique path, then you come to this realization of that I don't even have to compare myself to this person because- yeah all of our paths are so unique, you know, and the one flutist that comes up instantly is Hofan Lee. He's the inventor of the flute thumb port. It's a device and a gadget that goes onto the flute to help balance the instrument. Huh. And his path to inventing such a flute gadget be came out of his hand issues, his hand. Problems. Okay. And so he was like, well, what can I do? How can I serve my community? And then he put together this device and now he's selling millions. Wow. You know? And so would that have fit for a Joe or a Jane? Maybe, but he found his unique path to really serve the flute community in, in a very unique way. So all of that's to say, I resonate with your sentiment and what you said. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. I, I had no idea about that story. That's really interesting. Yeah. Um, so if, someone is experiencing a lot of imposter syndrome, are there things that you recommend to kind of get beyond that? Like what would the first step be to push into that? Because there's so much kind of underneath that and so much personal experience and um, emotions. Oh my goodness. Yes. Another great question. And again, you know, meeting the person where they're at, because everybody is going to have a very unique background. But I think one of the steps that you can do to start overcoming the imposter syndrome is just doing a lot of mental, um, well, that sounds kind of silly, but mental work, right? Mm. The stuff between the ears, like yeah. this, this brain is so powerful, right? right? And we have to really listen to and train our brain when it comes to, you know, these thoughts that we have, you know, and noticing Am I talking to myself in a healthy way? Mm. Right. Um, and I think you really need to ground yourself and maybe ask those tough questions and just do some personal work. Right. And maybe just journaling and recognizing and noticing that going back to what we said earlier, Bronwyn, but you are a unique individual and what makes you unique, mm -hmm. you know, um, and if you can't maybe articulate why, what makes you unique, then maybe talk to the loved ones in your life because 
they'll be the first ones to say, oh my goodness, well, you're so bubbly or, you know, you can really light up a room and do you know what I mean? Things like yeah. that. And you're a really great educator and et cetera. So yeah, I don't know if I answered your question, but I really I think, think so. Yeah. Yeah. And that's such a good suggestion. And I would, I absolutely agree. I think so much of starting any kind of like healing process. Cause I do think, um, any kind of emotional turmoil, like imposter syndrome, it's, you have to heal from it a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so much of that just starts with like that internal work. I think that's really powerful. Yes, exactly. Um, so one of the things that I really enjoy just kind of looking through like your podcast and your site is, um, it seems like you're really focused on building the relationships with other musicians and I feel like I'm starting to see more of that recently and in, in like the music world of people trying to build up other musicians around them and not see them as competition, but realize that there's space for everyone. And I was just wondering how you recommend kind of getting rid of those feelings of competition with your peers and forming these relationships that are so beneficial for everyone. Yes. Man, Bronwyn, you are doing phenomenal. Your questions are just boom, boom, boom. <laughs> Thank you. And you being in the space and speaking your well-thought-out questions and ideas through a microphone, you are such an asset to our music community. So keep doing Thank what you. you're doing because you articulate things so well in such a beautiful, eloquent way and in a very warm and inviting way too. So I just have cool. to say that because <laughs> not everyone can do what you're doing right now. So- Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. So I really think a true leader brings people together rather than segregates, you know, think of like a zipper, right. Mm -hmm. And the leader is holding the end of the zipper. Right. And then there's people through that, the prongs, right. On either side, yeah. the leader's just going zip. And then <laughs> people come together. I think that's, a really good definition of a leader, um, finding and building those relationships, like you said. And actually I made a little mini series through Flute 360 titled Building Relationships. Mm -hmm. So the fact that you can see that through the podcast and the content, I feel like I'm starting to really get my work out there. And I'm glad that it's evident Absolutely. That you, that you can see that because that's yeah. one of my missions through the podcast and within the music community, because we cannot do it alone. We can't. Yeah. And the mini series that I'm referring to, I think um, the title was called building relationships. And I think it was a three-part series, initiate, cultivate, and scale. So I think us as musicians, and this is just a blanketed statement, but I think sometimes, you know, we're kind of trained go to your practice room, a lot of individual work, <laughs> right? And yep. door and blinders go. And then not realizing, oh, wow, there's a beautiful violinist over there. Let me go and say hi to her or yeah. an oboist. And so, you know, perhaps that, that could be one factor to why we, you know, kind of do our own thing, right? And stay within our, our little corner. Um, but I think, especially with how the music industry is unfolding and and how it's evolving, we need to pull people into our orbit. Because if we don't, how are you going to get any project off the ground? 
right? Especially within this remote digital world that we're living in, even more so because of the pandemic, you're going to need a website designer. You're going to need an audio video engineer. You're going to need those different players to put together the different tracks and the different layers of like this remote concert, things like that. Um, So that's the one thing that I really encourage everyone to do is start building relationships today. And I know it's a long-term goal. Like it's a needle mover that doesn't happen overnight. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's like a long, yeah. yeah. You're in it for the long haul. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Exactly. It's not something, you know, that you're going to see overnight. It's something that you have to really um, put in the work in. And then when the harvest comes, you know, it's ready. Um, But I try to make a new connection with one, at least one person a day. Wow. DM. I mean, literally, it's something that is a part of my business plan. And I reach out to one person at least a day, um, once a day. And the reason why I do that is because I know that these relationships don't just, again, build overnight. Like you have to cultivate it, right? Mm -hmm. You have to nurture it. You have to get to know the person. I mean, just look at us, right? I reached out maybe a month ago and a couple DMs. Okay. We're getting comfortable with each other, things like that. Now you're supporting UMBS. Hopefully I get to support your misfit, um, podcast, misfit musician podcast, and which I am. Um, and then that relationship, if it's nurtured correctly, right. With, um, you know, calls or conversations and getting to know each other on a genuine, authentic level, right. It will scale. And that does not happen overnight. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And then who knows what the future holds? Like I probably will need a violinist, right. Yeah. In a couple of months, you might need a flutist. You just never know. And so it's not this building relationships. You know, my big disclaimer is it's not building these relationships um, and networking in this sleazy context. Mm-hmm. Like, what, what can I get out of this person? No, like my big, big, you know, theme is find the win-win for everybody involved. Yeah. Right. And if you can't find that, then it's going to come off as you know, selfish, like you're looking out for yourself and that's gross and icky and nobody mm-hmm. wants that. People can smell that from a mile away. Yeah. Um, but I'm so glad that you saw, and you can see that theme throughout the website and through the content, because that's something I strive for. Yeah. I think it's not just reaching out to people when you need something from them, but just like having that relationship be the base, which I think is great. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Nice. Um, I feel like I had one more, something else I wanted to ask you about that, but I don't know if I remember now. (laughs) Oh yeah. So when you're talking about reaching out to one person a day, that sounds really like overwhelming to me. (laughs) Like I'm such an introvert and it's, it's hard for me to like even keep up with emails and things like that. So do you have a way that you like organize that? Does it just come pretty like naturally to you? How do you, how do you navigate that? Very good question. I, I look for natural leads in my life, you know? So if, for example, I see a post on social media and I see a mutual friend. So for example, you and I are friends on social media and 
I'm watching your newsfeed and for example, say for instance, I'm noticing that you're commenting on Joe's posts a lot, mm -hmm. right? I'm like, ooh, if Bronwyn is interested in Joe and really perks up with his content, it resonates with her. She mentions, oh, wow, he's doing a lot of amazing things. Maybe I should take notice in Joe, yeah. right? Yeah. And so then I'll reach out to Joe and just say, you know, as warmly as possible. And I'll just say, Hey, you and I have a mutual friend, Bronwyn. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, what, and then I'll check and I will really, and this is like huge. You really need to check out what, what Joe is doing. <laughs> if Joe is an oboist and he put out an album or check out his website, look at his social, see what he is working on, look at his projects, um, read his content, listen to his podcast, you know, and then I write that DM and say, Joe, oh my goodness. I loved episode 100. I loved what you said about dot, 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 dot. If you ever need anything, I'm in your corner. I'm rooting for you. Let me know how I can serve you. And then from there, that relationship starts unfolding. Now, sometimes it does, um, you know, with the right ingredients, but sometimes it doesn't. And that's okay too. You know, yeah. not, not everything has to scale to a, a business partnership. Right. You know what I mean? Sometimes these relationships unfold where Joe and I are, are friends and that's beautiful in of itself too. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So my disclaimer is it's not like I'm going around and perusing the internet and being like, Ooh, <laughs> I'm <laughs> Um, it, it, I mean, these are like, it comes from an authentic place. Yeah. You know? And so to kind of circle back to the beginning of my answer, once a day, um, it can seem overwhelming, but it doesn't take a lot of research. Like I'm just keeping my blinders open and I'm just noticing and observing what's going on in my environment and letting that lead me. Hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah. I feel like that's such a good way to kind of sit yourself within the music world. I think that's really great. Oh, thank you. Do you think, um, or what is your experience like with social media trying to navigate so many virtual relationships? Because I feel like that's kind of where we are now, especially after the last year. And I mean, you know, like us, you know, we're only a virtual relationship right now. Um, and how do you, how do you kind of um, deal with that and maintain those? Good question. So again, I have to carve out specific time within my schedule for that interaction. Hmm. Like it's an appointment within my business, you know, um, because if I don't say 10 to 11, Monday through Friday, you know, work on engagement, build those relationships. Again, that's something that unfortunately, and I don't want it to, it's something unfortunately that could be put on the back burner. And I don't want it to because yeah. I love serving people. I love helping people. I love making connections with people. And everybody has such unique abilities and skill sets that I want to learn about, you know, and yeah, I'm a lifelong learner and I've already learned so much from you today, you know, and you don't get that 
if you don't have those conversations. Right, right. <laughs> so to answer your question, like pencil it in, if this is something that you're thinking about or, and I empathize too, I'm not an introvert, but I have a lot of friends who are introverts. <laughs> so I know for you, Bronwyn, and anyone who's listening to this, if you find yourself, you know, more so that way, um, maybe pencil it in and make it a 30 minute appointment for yourself, you know? Yeah. And, and then scale it, you know? So I met, for example, Eric Branner through, and it's going back to like my Joe example. Um, <laughs> Eric Branner was actually um, a friend of a friend. And I just said, you know, well, eventually my life, speaking of looking at natural leads, like my colleague and friend, Garrett Hope, right? He mentioned in a couple conversations, oh yeah, this Eric Branner guy, he's really cool. Like, mm -hmm. okay, cool. He's a, he's a guitarist out in Seattle. He runs Fonz, et cetera. I'm like, well, that's cool, great. And then I met another gentleman up in Seattle, just all virtually, and his name is Brian Shin. And in that conversation, he's like, oh yeah, Eric Branner's really cool. <laughs> I'm like, okay, who's this Eric Branner guy? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I need to meet him. <laughs> I need to meet him. <laughs> If Garrett and Brian are saying this, I need to meet him. So then that's another example of going back to your previous question and kind of the question that you're answering now is look for those natural leads. And if names are getting, you know, are popping up in your life like that, take that initiative and say, hey, Eric Branner, <laughs> Brian and Garrett said, you're a cool guy. I'm Heidi. Nice to meet you. And then you know, the DMs are a great place to start. But then I said, you know, we have so much in common with what you're doing with your business and with what I'm doing and these different projects, et cetera. Let's hop on a Zoom call. And we just talked and chatted for an hour just because, you know, that's amazing. Yeah. And so I don't know if I really answered your question, but no, I think that's great. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I think my last kind of question about this is, um, I think going back a little bit to what we were talking about with the competitive nature that music can have sometimes, I think social media can be difficult, um, like a difficult place to exist in because it's all so not real or intangible, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it's really easy to slip into an unhealthy use of it. And so are there ways that you try to balance using it well in the way that like it can best be used in like for networking, like you're saying, um, but also trying to not fall into like unhealthy relationships with it, I guess. Yeah. So are you speaking like specifically of like misuse in, in the fact of letting social media kind of take over your life? Yeah. Like, or I guess I think it can, it can waste time if you aren't careful very easily. Um, and also you're seeing just like, if you're not a musician, you're seeing the best parts of everyone's life as a musician, you're seeing the best parts of the other musicians around you. Um, so even with, um, like modern day recordings, right? Everything's perfect. You don't have these mistakes, like air quotes again, mistakes, like little things that, that would happen before we could splice everything together. Um, and it's kind of just a, a very surfacey, perfect view of what 
being a professional musician can look like and what your career can look like and how to navigate and interact with that space without feeling inadequate in it? Mm, Great question. So to answer the first part of your question, again, like make it a block time in your schedule because you're right. Like looking at TikTok and Twitter and LinkedIn, I mean, you can peruse through those different news feeds like throughout the day. And then you're like, oh shoot, what did, what did I do with my time? Right. (laughs) Like (laughs) get my priorities done and it can be very overwhelming. So again, block it off. Like, you know, every day, 11 to 12, use social media for the purpose of building your business, that that's what you want to use social media for. And so I will have my marketing cap on. So like we have about seven to eight different departments um, within a business, like CEO, COO, CTO, CMO, et cetera, it's called a C-suite. So being the chief marketing officer, CMO, Mm -hmm. I have to set up those healthy boundaries with my time. And if I don't, then I can easily snowball into what you're talking about. Just kind of always being on it, perusing it and not really moving the needle forward in my business. So like 11 to 12, let's just say hypothetically, that's my CMO time. I block that off. And that's when I'm working on Buffer. Buffer is a social media management tool. That's where I'm writing content, scheduling it out for the month, done. And it, yeah, and it, it literally wasn't always that way um, because I'm human, you know, and, and I was noticing that I was really misusing my time when it came to social media. And I was like, well, if I really need to, if I really want to see the results of my business and I want to have time to practice or spend time with my family, then I'm going to have to learn how to turn it off. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Sundays, like I try to be very adamant and actually physically turning the phone off. Um, when I'm trying to practice, I turn the phone off. Um, things like that. So I'm not tempted to be like, oh, what's this person doing? And what's the new reel and whatever. Yeah. Um, and then to answer your second part of your question, I guess I really, for me personally, I don't have a difficult time seeing the perfection in that recording from somebody else. And I think the reason I'm kind of like, reflecting on why (laughs) as I'm trying to answer this question at the same time, my husband's an audio video engineer. Okay. I think that's why that doesn't, it's not really a challenge for me because I know how much editing goes into those things. Like I've seen phenomenal players and their albums come across my husband's desk and they splice and splice and splice and they re-record like one measure to get one note really good. And I help him with those projects. And sometimes like we pull our hairs out because it's like, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so I think because I know the process and I'm a part of the process through our JK Media Productions company, that doesn't really affect me too much. That makes sense. Yeah. That gives you a lot of perspective. Yeah. (laughs) Nice. And if you need that perspective, start editing your own stuff and then realize (laughs) everybody's doing it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, shoot. Well, thank you so much. I think that's all of my questions, unless there's something else that you want to share. But this was so wonderful. Um, And I would love to hear you know, like what you're up to next, like what's uh, coming around the corner for you. 
Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you, Bronwyn. So as you mentioned in the beginning of the episode, I'm one of the executive committees through the Ultimate Music Business Summit. And Garrett Hope is the founder. He started UMBS last year in January, 2021, and he's bringing it back this year. Nice. And yeah. And so he asked Arthur Brewer and myself to help co-organize it with him because it's a huge event and having one person do it is really not fair. Yeah. <laughs> and so he asked Arthur and I to help him and we've been working on it for now the past like five or six months. And it's going to, it's going to be an amazing event y'all like seriously, this is for you. And it kind of really ties in some of the topics that Bronwyn and I were speaking of earlier, you know, music business, like how to yeah. organize your business, how to think more businessly, um, things like that. These topics like networking, building relationships, yeah. website design, audio production. We we're just talking about editing audio, right? Um, all of these things are going to be discussed at UMBS and it's going down January 6th, 7th, and 8th, 2022. It's a virtual event and you can go to musicsummit.biz to get your ticket. The basic ticket is $17. Wow. Yeah. Very That's affordable. so affordable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very affordable. And I think if you want the VIP ticket, that's a little bit more. I think it's 137 or 167. Sorry, I didn't look it up uh, prior to the conversation, but anyone can go to the website and see the VIP ticket. And that basically gives you like an all access pass. Nice. Um, Yeah. So if you really need to move the needle forward within your business, whether it's um, getting tips on website design, uh, social media, uh, networking, audio production, UMBS has it. And we've hired 36 presenters to talk over the course of those three days. And they're business experts within their wheelhouse, like within their niche. Um, we have experts from across the world. Like we have presenters from Canada from the UK, all throughout the States, and they're giving their best. And what I love about this summit the most is they will be giving you tangible steps. So if you are trying to figure out SEO, for example, mm-hmm. they will say, these are the top three things you need to do today. And you can like take notes and then go and actually start implementing those steps the next day. You wow. Know? Um, so if you really need to start seeing growth in your business, and if you want to start thinking more businessly, if you want to pivot from the traditional path, like what we were talking about earlier, and you want to be your own music boss, then I really recommend these three days because as Garrett, Arthur, and I have been organizing it, we're, we're keeping you in mind, you know, we're keeping Mm -hmm. the 2021 musician in mind. Like what do they need in order to really not just survive in today's industry and climate, but thrive, you know, and Garrett, and Arthur have such huge hearts and they're putting so much time into making this a real treat for everybody. And yeah, so that's UMBS and that's the next thing on my docket. I love it. That sounds so exciting. I really, really want to go to that. <laughs> um, I'll put the the link to it in the show notes. So if any of you listeners want to check it out, go for it. Um, yeah, that's amazing. Thank so where you. can people find you online? Oh, thank you. You're so sweet to ask. Yeah. Everything is Heidi K. Begay. 
Okay. Uh, and my middle initial or my middle name is actually K, K-A-Y. It's not just an initial, but H-E-I-D-I, K-A-Y, B-E-G-A-Y. Um, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, Tumblr, Facebook. And my website is HeidiKBigay.com. You can find the Flute to 360 podcast through any podcast app. And I know the top two favorites are Apple and Spotify. Mm-hmm. So that's how you can track nice. me down. Wonderful. That's so great. Well, thank you so much for chatting. This was so wonderful. And I really appreciate you giving time to the Misfit Musician. (laughs) Thank you, Bronwyn. Thank you all so much for listening. I really hope that you enjoyed that interview. Let me know what you think. You can send me an email at bronwynbethviolin at gmail.com or message me on Instagram at bronwynbethviolin. If you are so inclined, you can also head over to iTunes and give me a rating, which would help the show and I'd really, really appreciate it. In the show notes, I've put Heidi's information as well as the link so that you can go check out the website for the Ultimate Music Business Summit. That's all for now. You are magic. Live in love.